Hi, I'm Megan. I'm Colin, and this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet and Pet Sitters International. Kim O'Tony Tank, owner of Apron Strings Pet Sitting, has been providing pet care since 1990. After 30 years in business, Kim shares her experience of weathering the ups and downs of the economy and how 2020 was totally different. Kim also gives her advice for hiring employees and why switching from independent contractors is something she's really passionate about. We also discuss working with family and being an early adopter of technology in pet care. Let's get started. Sure. Thanks, Colin. I'm really excited to be here. Um, I started Apron Strings Pet Sitting in 1990. And my service is in the San Francisco Bay Area, specifically Contra Costa County, which is in the East Bay. Um, I no longer live in the area. I'm actually about two hours away, but for 26 of the last 30 years, I was on site with my business in the Bay Area. So 1990, that was before pet sitting was even in the dictionary, <laughs> if, I, if I know my history correct. <laughs> That's true. We had just realized that it could actually be a career because to be honest, I was what you would call a hobby sitter for many years before that. Mm. Uh, as a teenager, I began um, sitting for friends who had show dogs and it just sort of, it sort of started there in the 1970s. So, uh, and we had no idea then there, I don't even think there were pet sitters in the phone book at that time. Wow. So, so what, what was it in 1990 that got you into starting apron strings? Well, we decided to make it official because a, we realized it could be a career and we were facing some major changes in our life. It was the year we started our family. Mm. Uh, Our oldest son is now 30 and just had his first child. So it's kind of come full circle, but how, what led up to 1990 was I began sitting for friends as a teenager. I was graduating from high school, didn't know what I wanted to do. I wasn't really cut out to go to a four-year college. And one of my math teachers suggested, well, they have a program at a local community college to become an animal health technician. They have now changed that in California. The term is registered veterinary technician. But that was the licensed technician um, title at the time. And I thought that sounded good because I wasn't ready. I didn't think I was cut out to be a veterinarian. I, I didn't feel at that time in my life that I could make life and death decisions, and I didn't want that kind of responsibility. So I was looking for a way to work with animals, and I decided to go through the program. And I did graduate, took my state board in 1981, and I went to work for a veterinarian. And it was at that time that people came into the office saying, do you have anybody who can take care of pets? And sure. (laughs) So... There I was. I was working. uh, At that time, I had just started working full time for the veterinary office and I was doing pet sitting on the side. And my first client was a whippet breeder who had 10 dogs. So my uh, jumping into pet sitting for me was sort of trial by fire with dealing with um, some rather... um, interesting clients. And previous to that, I had set for, sat for uh, dog show breeders. So the first time I ever sat for anyone that only had one cat or one dog, I was like, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I think that's one reason we've never had per pet charges or I don't get scared of the larger jobs because that's how I started. Yeah. And uh, so I continued working in veterinary hospitals throughout the 1980s and I picked up a few clients and I was always pet sitting. I had two or three clients that kept us so busy that we were able to do projects on the house with the extra money and it was great. And my husband said to me in the late 80s, um, maybe this could be, you should just do pet sitting. And I said, you're crazy. There's no way that can be a career. I said, I, I, what would I do all day? I go early in the morning. I have a couple dogs I take care of later in the evening. I don't see that as a full-time career, but as I have uh, been shown many times over the years, I was dead wrong. On that. <laughs> so in 1988, we decided to move to Contra Costa County. I had been raised in Salinas, which was about a hundred miles South of where my current territory is. We decided to move. And at that time, my husband really said, no, really, seriously, you're going to be switching jobs. You should just start a pet sitting service. And I said, I'm too afraid. I don't know anybody. We didn't know a soul in Contra Costa County when we moved there. And I said, I'm going to take the path of least resistance and work at an animal hospital again. But I couldn't get that idea out of my head. And before you know, before I knew it, I was finding more clients via the veterinary hospital. And the second hospital where I worked, there was a receptionist there who was so busy pet sitting that she didn't know what to do with all her clients. And she said, here, you want some clients. And I think the first uh, month that I decided to start doing sitting, I had something like 100 visits. Whoa. Yeah, because of her referrals. So I I sort of fell into that very happily. Um, but what the real push for going to become a pet sitter full-time is that my husband and I did want to start our family. And I did not want to have children only to have them in daycare all day. And so my driving force, my why of my business was to have a job that could be worked around my husband's hours. The idea was never to take the kids with us, although I can't say that hasn't happened because emergencies come up. And when you're a parent, you can't put the kid in a crate and say, I'll see you in four (laughs) hours. Wish you could. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't call CPS on me. I never did it. But the idea was um, that we would do tag team parenting. And I got this idea from someone at a former um, veterinary hospital I had worked. Um, one of the uh, assistants had very weird hours. She would come in and, and do early morning medications. She would leave. She would come in and clean kennels at night. And I was like, well, you know, why are you doing that? Well, it's because she. She was always home with someone was always home with their kids that way. Her she would work when her husband was home and then he would go to work and then she would be home with the kids. And I thought, wow, they are creative. They're thinking outside the box. You don't have to have children in daycare if you want to have a family. And so that was where the impetus for becoming a full-time pet sitter. That's how it happened. Now it took me a little while. Um, we had our first child in uh, May of 1990. I did go back to work at the veterinary hospital, but all of that while I built up my clients, I, I was very busy for a while and it may sound like it wasn't fair to my son because I was working full time and doing visits morning and evening, but the end goal was to quit my job. And I did quit my veterinary hospital job in November of 1992 because we had number two coming 
And it's kind of my little joke. Um, I think I still have a key to that veterinary hospital. I just never went back for maternity leave. <laughs> I, I think they asked me one time, are you coming back? Or, you know, when are you coming back? And I'm like, I don't know. I just never went back. So that was, he turns 28 next month. I haven't worked for anybody but myself in all those years. So I'm, oh. I'm, I'm hopelessly spoiled. I don't think I could ever go back and work for anybody else now. <laughs> Ruined forever. That's wonderful. Ruined forever, yes. <laughs> but in a good way. And I love that. <laughs> Why? Because you're able to make it work for you. And I think part of that is, you know, I'm sure at some point you realized that you would have to, to hire. It sounded like you were getting really, yes. really busy. So when did you make that step? Well, it was, you know, people often ask me, um, when, when do you know it's time to hire? And I say, well, if you're asking that question, it's time to hire because it, you're, the thoughts are in your head. You're going to need to do some delegating. And um, honestly, it was about two or three years in, maybe year four, I was beginning to feel the stress of working seven days a week. I mean, I was fairly happy with how my life was going because when you have two little kids, as you probably know, you don't. You're, you're kind of tied down anyway. So I was pretty happy that I had a job. I was working all the time and I was with the kids all the time. And it was great. But in the back of my mind, I often wondered, is this sustainable long term? I had no idea that here, year 2020, I'd still be doing this. But at, at the time, I didn't see that far ahead. But I still was looking at the, the future and how could I sustain this lifestyle? Uh, because it was very difficult to go out of town. I didn't like telling people no. And that is one of the major things uh, behind hiring for me. Because I tell people, you know, when people ask me, how do you manage this type of business and the effect it has on your personal life? And I tell them, well, you either, you know, to avoid burnout, you either have to say no, or you have to get help or you have to quit. Those are your three options. And a lot of people are great at no, I'm not, I'm terrible. I'm still terrible at it, but I recognize that in myself. So I found a way to deal with it. And that's to be able to delegate work to others. So the first little inkling I had that I might hire was I attended a NAPS conference. That's the national, at the time it was National Association of Pet Sitters. Things have changed over the years, but it was in 1994. They had a regional conference in San Francisco and they had a lawyer speaking about hiring. And one of the uh, things that he mentioned, he was, I think the discussion was uh, about the differences between ICs and employees. And one of the things that struck me is he said, if you are, and let me preface, I'm in California. So California has some of the strictest um, laws regarding employees that there are, especially now. Uh, but at the time he said, look, uh, I'm a lawyer. If I work in a law firm and I'm, I'm doing lawyer work, I'm an employee. So he impressed upon me that people who do the core work of the business are employees rather than contractors. And again, I, I, he was a, representing California, uh, but I think the sentiment was there uh, in many states. So I got it into my head that, wow, okay, if I'm going to do this, that's the way I'm going to do it. So um, in the back of my mind, I thought, you know, I'm going to hire employees eventually. I wish I had done it that year because the following year, my husband actually took a job out of state for nine months. Oh, no. <laughs> 1995 was the worst year of my life. I had a pet sitting business that I had to work in every day and I had a five-year-old and a two and a half-year-old. Oh. And um, it was really crazy because I remember that summer in particular, there wasn't a single evening where I didn't have an, a night visit. Like you would think. 
that some days I would just have some once a day cats and, you know, but no, every, every morning and every evening, the entire time he was gone. Now he would come home at times. And then when he came home, I hand the kids to him. I'm out the door. I work all day. I do everything I wanted to do. Uh, but I finally settled on getting a foreign exchange student to come live with us so that I could go out early evenings and I mean, uh, evenings and early mornings. It was the only solution because daycares just don't, don't work for pet sitters. They just, they're not set up for that. Um, and I would have hired that year, but I was in the midst of such turmoil of dealing with this. There was no way I could focus on possibly learning how to hire people. My life was consumed with caring for the kids and getting the work done. So it was really rough year, but in 1996, I kind of got my act together and, um, I decided I would, I really had no idea what I was going to do with this employee, but I knew I needed one. And I thought, I will figure this out as I go along. So um, one of the problems with hiring employees at that time was that I couldn't find any other pet sitters in California who used employees. I, could, I knew some people used contractors. Um, so um, because at the time, even before Facebook, there were uh, email lists that I was on. I think there was, I was on Yahoo groups. I talked to a lot of pet sitters, but I couldn't find anybody really to mentor me in that regard. So I, um, I did what I really recommend doing anyway, which is um, going to the powers that be and get, getting your advice from them. So I was very fortunate in California that the EDD, uh, which is Employment Development Department, um, it's basically uh, one of our agencies that oversees em- employment. Um, they put on free seminars and um, they were excellent. Uh, I went to, a, and it was funny because I lived a couple blocks from an IRS office. So that was really convenient. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I know, kind of scary sometimes, but um, <laughs> so they put on free four hour, at the time it was a four hour seminar, uh, two hours by the EDD and uh, two hours put on by the IRS. And they walked me through everything. First of all, they clearly defined what it would mean the difference between employee and contractor. And secondly, they taught us how to do the actual payroll. Like these are the, this is where you're going to send this money. This is where you're going to send that money. And at the time I was really too cheap to get a payroll service. So I decided that for my own benefit, I would learn to do it myself. I don't do it myself anymore because it's, I don't want to have to do all those, that tax filings and all that money. And when my payroll got larger, I didn't want to make mistakes because mistakes when the numbers are bigger are bigger mistakes. So, uh, but when I had payroll that was $100 at a time, I wasn't too worried that, that I wouldn't send the $7 to the right place. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, um, so I did all of that before I hired my first employee. Um, I got completely set up. I got a workers' comp policy. And I went out looking. Wow. And, yeah, I, I, I found someone. And, I, and it, it was a, a man. And I got along with him great. and. Uh, but I didn't really know what to do with him. I knew I needed some help. I didn't know how to delegate, how to schedule. We just kind of, and he knew I was new to it, and we just kind of winged it, you know. And I had a little help here or there, uh, but I still was doing most of the work myself. I mean, you talk about didn't know how to delegate. You know, how what was that process for you of learning to delegate over the years? And did you find that easy? 
It was difficult at first, but I, I found my way. Um, I like to think I'm bright and a quick learner, but I'll tell you, <laughs> not when it came to this. And I just had to figure it out myself. Um, in the beginning, I would tend to call him if I had a, a busy night. Now, granted, these are employees. I don't have to call and ask him if he wants to take on a job. I can assign. But the work was more sporadic back then. And it wasn't like I said, you're going to work every Tuesday because, you know, we didn't have one day a week that was busier over the others. And I wasn't ready to give up a lot of the work. So I did it as on kind of an as needed basis. Um, if we had a busy weekend, I would ask if he could help. If we had a busy Tuesday night, I would ask if he could help. Um, and I didn't particularly like having to do it that way, but I didn't see the solution yet. Um, Later on, let's see, in 97, okay, I had two kids. I thought maybe we were going to stop there, but we didn't. And we kind of had, all of a sudden I was pregnant again. And <laughs> I knew I was going to need to take a maternity leave. So I hired two more people in uh, 1997, just before she was born. I remember I had a staff meeting uh, one night. And the day, next day was my due date. And what do you know? I went into labor right after the staff meeting. So I, I had them kind of ready to go. There you go. <laughs> I hired two other people, but I was still in the mode of calling and asking them if they would take certain jobs. And I just found that tedious. I didn't like it. But it was kind of what I had to do at the time, just based on the fact that uh, I didn't stay on maternity leave too long. It was a short a short period of time that I really uh, needed them. And so we just kind of played it all by ear. But, um, and I did have my daughter and as she started to grow, we did start the idea that we could take on some midday dog walks. Now, let me back up a little bit. I never really did midday dog walks because of, I was home with my kids. Yeah, And I would tell people, no, I don't offer midday dog walks because I am with my children all day. And I actually had a couple of people that said, oh, we'll bring them along. And, and I actually did a couple because it was their idea. I, I was never comfortable saying, well, is it OK if my kids come? Because then you're putting someone on the spot. I think uh, if they offer, then, you know, it's genuine. So I did a couple here or there, but I really didn't do very many. Um, I did start to offer. Midday dog walking. I got a little bit of part time care for my daughter. They had some drop in daycare kind of things. And my sons were in school by then. But it was when I hired my fourth employee that that really took off because she was, she had been working as a contractor for another service and she was very into doing midday dog walks. So we started doing the dog walks then. And then we got into the, the more set schedule for her. But I owe it to her because she was the one who said, Kim, you know, you're still working all the time. Um, why don't you have me do all the jobs on Sunday so you could take a day off? And I'm like, wow, <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> That's how bad I was at delegating. I always had to have my fingers in the pie. I always had to be working. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you a little secret. I've gotten so much better at delegating. But I didn't start taking a whole lot of days off until we moved four years ago. Because when you're two hours away, it's you, <laughs> you can't do the work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, like to, I like to think we moved so that I would take days off because I love my business. I mean, it's right. not that I couldn't. I just love 
being part of those animals lives. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that's a balance that we all find ourselves in. We, we genuinely love the work. We love taking care of the animals, but we also know we've got to be taking care of ourselves too. And we feel guilty sometimes for not taking care of the pets because we love them so much. And that just continually gets pushed off. We never take a day off. We don't take time for ourselves because it's coming from that place of, I really love doing this. Right, right. I mean, I, I got much better at delegating because there were, I, I woke up one day in about 2007. Now, now mind you, in 2001, we had yet another child. (laughs) (laughs) A week before my 41st birthday, he was definitely an oopsie. He's now 19. He's six foot five. He's adorable. (laughs) So I, I, one day when he was six years old, I, I realized that my entire life was taking care of kids and running my business. And I wanted to do something for myself. So, uh, what better way than to run a marathon? So (laughs) (laughs) I had used to run when I was in my twenties, but you know, not never really very fast. And I, we, we did some local races with my family. Well, I decided that I wanted to run and raise money for the, uh, American Stroke Association because my father-in-law had had a stroke and, and I, I was 47 years old. I, I was really, um, thinking I was too old to run. So I was going to walk the marathon all 26.2 miles, but I started training with a group and I got super jealous of the people that were running. So I started to run and I ran the whole way. I did finish that first marathon. And had I not had a team of people working for me, there's no way I could have trained for it. Cause my whole point is going back to when you're training for a marathon, you have to do at least one 20 miler. And it takes over three hours to do that unless you're really fast. And I wasn't really fast. Um, it's a big, huge time commitment. And I had to set aside every Saturday morning where I just couldn't work. I always had my cell phone. I'd have to stop and yes. Uh, oh, no, you're locked out of the house. Oh, deal with problems. But I wasn't physically there. And, and thank goodness for my team. Um, because I did, uh, and they say you never do um, two marathons. You're either one and done, or you get hooked on it. Well, unfortunately, I kind of got hooked on it. I, I really haven't done. I've done fourteen. It's not that many, but uh, that is fourteen more than I have done. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cool thing about it was the second marathon. I actually qualified for Boston. So then I was like, oh no, what have I done? Now I've got to run a third one. <laughs> Because I got to go to Boston. And uh, again, if I hadn't had my team, I, it would have been so much harder to take off and take those trips to, you know, to run that, that race. And, and I really think that had I never had a team, I probably wouldn't have taken on the, um, a hobby like that. It's, it's a huge time commitment. Have you heard about Time to Pet? Claire from Acton Critter Centers has this to say. Time to Pet has honestly revolutionized how we do business. My sitters can work much more independently because they have ongoing access to customer and pet information without relying on me. I save hours upon hours of administrative time on billing, processing payments, and generating paychecks. If you are looking for new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our podcast can get 50% off their first three months when you go to timetopet.com forward slash confessional. Yeah, it is. And as you said, like 
the time, it wasn't important until you needed that time. And then all of a sudden, it was really important that you had that time and you were able to lean on your staff. And it wasn't that, I mean, I love, I still love pet sitting. When I go down to the Bay Area, I still do visits, I just not seven days a week. I absolutely love spending the time with the pets. But I also have that freedom and that joy of knowing that I have a life outside of it. And if I didn't have the life outside of it, I think I would have been burnt out and resentful a long, long time ago. Yeah. So, um, yes, they have. And there are so many awesome things about having a team. I think people look at it like, okay, I'm going to get some help and I'm going to pay them and they're going to help me. But there's so much more to that. You know, they bring unique talents. They bring, uh, um, Another perspective, sometimes a sitter will notice something maybe that I didn't, or they watch out for each other. So and so, oh, I noticed this, you know, at this job. And I'm like, oh, great. Okay, good. That's good. Because you you um, caught something that we maybe forgot to put in the notes or uh, they check each other. Um, and um, we, they don't all even know each other because especially with this year with COVID, we haven't had any get togethers, sadly. Yeah. Um, but they all watch out for each other. And, and um, it's so much fun to have uh, people to share stories with about the pets because nobody knows what only other pet sitters, only people who have seen those pets can relate to the stories that you're telling them. So that's one thing I love about it. Yeah, it's, it's one thing to talk to your family members about being a pet sitter. And then it's a whole nother thing to talk to somebody else who's caring for the same pet that you are. And right. bond and share stories and tips for them and all sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah, it really is fun. The last time we did get together, it was just hilarious. Everyone was like, oh, you know, Fluffy. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. So after, so how many people do you have on your team now? What have you, what, you know, you started out with just one and then. Um, yeah. And it's varied over the years. There have been a lot of ups and downs and changes with the business right now, I just have five. I had expected to have more, but due to COVID, we're very fortunate that I have five people that all want to work part-time and I'm crossing my fingers. I have just about the right amount that everybody wants to work right now. Mm. Um, We started off the year with a bang. It was going to be great. We, at the beginning of March, I'm like, this is the best March we're going to (laughs) have until I started to cry. (laughs) I, I, it was so depressing when all the cancellations started coming in. And then I realized I'm in the same boat as the whole rest of the world. So I thought, okay, we just have to move forward and figure this out. It's nothing I did wrong. I don't have to feel guilty about this. I didn't cause this. I have to just deal with it. So I have a really all new team because I only have, oh, well, okay. About half of people, a couple of my sitters just didn't come back. They just never felt comfortable going into people's homes after that. So, so it's a, um, so I have a couple of new people that I had to find uh, because we had just enough dog walks to where I needed help. Uh, there was a month where I didn't have anybody. We did have four people that kept us walking their dogs since this whole thing started, even though they're home. And I am so grateful to them. But I had one month where I had nobody who could do them. So I drove every day. Now I could have stayed overnight, but I wanted to be home. So I, uh, I would drive every day. It takes me two hours to get there. I would do the walks. That's about, you know, and I would spend time with the one cat visit that we had. Um, I would be there maybe three or four hours and then I would drive home again, which 
<laughs> it sounds crazy, but I thought, you know, people do things like that for quote regular jobs. <laughs> I mean, they do in the Bay Area. People have crazy commutes, so I thought I'm just one of those poor slobs right now. Just add but me at to least, the list. Yeah. at least I love what I do, and my car can practically drive itself to the Bay Area now. It knows there you the go. Way. It's, it's well trained. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, know, you, you talk about the importance of having a team, right? That camaraderie, that sharing mm-hmm. of ideas, that connections. What about a solopreneur? You know, somebody who either doesn't have mm-hmm. a current team or maybe doesn't want to hire. What kind of advice do you have for them? You know, I, I, I was thinking about that, and and obviously, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is networking with other sitters, other local sitters, because even before I ever hired, I had other people I knew that could help in an emergency. Um, when I was still employed at the veterinary hospital. Uh, one of the other technicians there helped me a couple of times when something came up or, and I helped her. Um, I also met another pet sitter early in the game um, who is still my best friend today. We met in 1993. She was working for her mother at the time. And then later on, she took over her mother's business and we talk nearly every day. So she was a mentor for me. Um, and we still help each other with our businesses um, occasionally. So networking is really important because you do never know um, what can happen. But also what I would recommend is coming up with plans for, for example, if you know you want to take a vacation every year and you're going to have to shut down or refer out, just be really upfront with your clients. Let them know in advance what's going to happen because um, you may be like me where I was saying yes all the time, even when I was alone. Uh, but you don't want to shock your clients that all of a sudden you're not available. So have some sort of a lot of open communication about when you're available and you're not. And also, don't be afraid to think out of the box. I, I will tell you, I'll go back a little bit in history. When we first made the move from Salinas, where I lived before, to the Bay Area, all of my family was in Salinas. And I always spent Thanksgiving and Christmas with my family. So when we moved to the town of Concord in in Contra Costa County, I had a big decision to make. I had a lot of soul searching because I said to myself, we have children. We're going to have children now. Um, We want to spend the holidays with my family. Holidays is with the busiest time for pet sitters. Am I really going to be able to open a pet sitting service and be with my family? And that was a big, big, um, you know, heavy moment. And we we thought about it and we decided that I would make it work. And I will tell you, when I say thinking outside the box, let's just say, for example, uh, Christmas morning, 1990, went something like this. I got up at four o'clock. I was out the door, 435. Um, I had maybe um, six visits to do or whatever it was. I decided that doing shorter visits on the holidays was was how I would deal with it. Uh, my clients never minded because they're like, well, it's Christmas. You have kids. Of course, we don't want you to sit here staring at the wall for half an hour for my cat that won't come up from under the bed or even, even the dogs. We don't mind if you're there a few minutes less. So I would kind of go lickety split and get the work done. I would go uh, back home. we Maybe open some presents if we hadn't, you know, done them all the night before. We'd hit the road, and two hours later, we'd be in Salinas. So we'd usually get there by 11 in the morning or noon. I'd be there till 6 in the evening. I'd spend the entire day with my family. 
And uh, we'd get back in town or at home around eight o'clock. And if I had to stay up till midnight getting those visits done, I would get them done because I refuse to give up the holiday with my family. But I also refuse to say no to my clients. Now, now backing up a little bit to the shorter visits, honestly, um, I've never charged extra for holidays because of that. I thought mm. you can you can spend the time and charge extra or you can charge the same and spend less time. Either way, you're, you're charging more per minute in a sense. And my clients were not opposed to it. The only people that have ever really said, oh, that doesn't seem fair, were other pet sitters. So, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, my clients are the ones that pay my bills. My clients are the ones that I am uh, responsible to. If they're okay with it, then I, and I'm okay with it, then I'm not going to worry about what somebody who has nothing to do with my business Things and I've I've done it that way all along because family time is so important. I continued to do it that way even when I had staff because my staff loved the idea. I don't have any trouble getting people to work on holidays because I don't make them give up their whole day. I will schedule enough people. I won't give you know. Uh, I, I, there's a maximum number I will give them. Um, and now that I've switched from paying per visit to hourly, I pay them time and a half, but they are doing more in a shorter period of time. So I'm not losing any money from that. So it works. Yeah. No, if finding those kind of things that work for your business, and I love mm-hmm. what you said there of like, well, if it works for me and my clients like it too, like, why wouldn't I do this? Like, why is that? <laughs> why, why would I'm going to let these people talk from the outside in and try and convince me to do something that's not going to work for me? Right. I feel comfortable with how we've been doing it. And believe me, if I didn't, I wouldn't do it. But I'm, I'm proud of how our service has run. We do a great job. And, uh, and it's been working for all of these years. Yeah. One of the things that you mentioned, even before you hired your first employee, you got work and, workers' comp and you got all these things in line. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about insurance as a business. Why is workers' comp so important to have if you have employees? Well, in most states, it is the law. I think Texas is the only state that doesn't require it. Um, And some states only require it if you have three or more employees. California requires it with as few as one employee. But that is not the only reason. I would have it anyway, even if it weren't the law. And in some areas of the country, there are different uh, laws regarding carrying it on contractors as well. If, If they don't carry it, in some cases, you have to carry it on them. I think it's a great idea, though, and I, I, I will give you an example of my, my little story. Uh, it was Thanksgiving 2008. It was kind of a rainy, misty day. I was out working. My sitter, Karen, was out working, and all of a sudden, I get a call from her. She had gone to get the mail out of somebody's box, and it was one of these brick mailboxes right on the street, and there was a metal grate in front of the mailbox. It was really slippery. She had slipped on it, and she'd broken her ankle in, like, three different places. Yeah. So I said, I'm coming. I'm coming. I I, I was in the same town in Walnut Creek, Oops. and I went... Um, Immediately went to her and she couldn't get up. Um, and we called 911 and had the ambulance come and take her to the hospital. And she ended up having surgery. Uh, she was out for quite a while because she, she was a little bit older than me, a little heavy set. She had a hard time taking care of herself with her leg in a cast. So she was in assisted living for a month. And when she got home, um, she had a, had to have a wheelchair ramp built on the front of her house. Oh. So workers comp covered all of that, all of it. 
And I believe the actual billing number in, uh, is, was close to $200,000 for the whole shebang. Um, so, you know, I have coverage. That's great. Well, and a, a lot of people say, well, I use contractors. They're responsible. They know they're responsible for their own injury. But here's what Karen told me, and I, I totally get it. She said, you know, Kim, I have great medical insurance, but the co-pays and all of that would have killed me if I had been having to pay that. She said, if you had hired me as a contractor and not carried workers' comp, I would have sued you. And, and I totally understand. I would have thought, I get it. I get it. Um, and the problem is, um, one of the issues is that you can say, well, the person's a contractor, but if the state of California decides they're not, then you're, they can come back and say, no, we really think there was an employee relationship here. So we're going to have to bill you for a lot of penalties and back taxes. And you're going to be responsible for these injuries because you are really an employer. I have a a brother-in-law who works for um, um, the, um, the largest carrier in California. Of, for workers' comp. So he's given me a lot of great advice. And unfortunately, he's had to go to court to testify in cases where people are, have their status challenged mm. due to a workers' comp. So it's real. It's real. And I think what I pay, uh, has, it's paid off many times over. I can sleep at night knowing that, uh, that if so, because in this business too, I mean, that was her breaking her ankle. How many dog bites are there? Unfortunately, we've never had a dog bite claim, but they're uh, incredibly common. Um, one kind of funny thing I'll tell you about that particular day. Um, so she had still had visits to do left. And so we just scramble and spread out their visits among staff, which is another reason for having enough people on your team. But um, my son was 18 at the time. And I said, guess what, Trevor? You're going to be a pet sitter today. <laughs> he sort of watched me do it my whole life. He knew we talked about it all the time at home. Uh, you know, he knew. Yeah. So he didn't have his driver's license. So we just gave him jobs that he could ride his bike to. And that's how he started his career uh, as a pet sitter. So. Well, yeah. So on that, I know, I know you've, you've brought your kids into it. Apparently some, some willingly, maybe some less more, <laughs> less so. Um, you know, <laughs> what's, what's it been like uh, having your kids and, and your husband involved? You know, it's, it's really funny talking about the husband. Um, I, I, I'm surprised we didn't, we haven't killed each other working together, but we actually, we, we made it work. Okay. Um, yeah. uh, but, uh, so Trevor was the first one to sort of be inducted in and eventually he got a car and he, he worked for us for quite a number of years and he, he was, he he had he had to learn some, but he he did a very good job for me. Um, he also uh, one day in 2013 asked if his girlfriend could work for me one day a week, and I said, "Sure, I need somebody on Mondays." So she started working for us, and now they're married. They both work for us, but anyway. And then uh, I have another son who's a couple, the one who's a couple years younger. We had him work for us. He was not stellar. He was not stellar. (laughs) He just didn't have a knack for the details. So Mm. we didn't have him work for us for too long. I mean, not everybody is meant to be a pet sitter. There are definitely skills involved. Um, My daughter 
who is now 23. Let's see. I think I pulled her into it when she was 19. She finally had her license. I had this really unusual day in uh, one June where nobody could work. I had an employee who had had a medical procedure the week before, was supposed to be back at work, but had complications. I had another employee who had a scheduled medical procedure. Trevor and Brooke, my son and daughter-in-law, were still on their honeymoon. And instead of coming back on the Monday, I mean, they insisted on taking till Tuesday after three weeks they had been off. I'm like, that's great. Well, you know, that's a problem when you have two staff members that get married to each other. Then they take vacations together. There you go. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So I'm like, you guys really can't work. And so so I told my daughter, Rory, you know, um, I need you to work. And she's like, I got it for you, mom. I can do this. And I gave her all the instructions. And, you know, she also, like I said, had... You talk around the dinner table, you talk about various things. Uh, you know, we have cell phones now. <laughs> so it's like, it's not like she couldn't call me for every little question. She, I think she did nine visits her first day, which is a lot for a first timer. Yeah. A lot. Uh, she did great. She did great. And, and so um, she has worked for me in summers when she's been home from college and during holiday breaks. Right now she lives in the state of Washington, but you know, if she takes a vacation and comes to visit, I may put her to work, you know, if it comes up. She's really great. She's really great. My fourth one has no interest in it. And I'm like, okay, if you have no interest, I'm not putting you out there. Right. Not. <laughs> They're just all waiting for that moment when they get the phone call. Of, yeah. You need a walker. <laughs> Yeah. But I've really enjoyed working with my kids. I think one of the things about working with family is that you, you do have to be able to put on the employer hat and just, you know, it's, I, I, I want to say treat them like everybody else, but I, but I have the philosophy that people need to be handled differently. Uh, There's some saying about being not fair is not necessarily equal in all aspects. I can't remember what the saying is everybody needs different handling. People learn different ways. Um, but in general, when you're working with your kids, you have, it's business, it's business. And, and I, uh, one example I thought about that is I also had a niece of mine work for me and she worked for me for a couple of years. And last year, um, she was decided she wanted to do something else. She absolutely loved walking dogs, but I don't think taking care of the cats was in her heart. She did a good job, but she wasn't called to it. And she decided she wanted to do something else. So when she let me know that she was quitting, um, she'd kind of had a bad day. There was some client who made a comment and I think she was taking it personally and she was kind of upset. And we had had such a great relationship all along. And I, and I told her, you know, I know you're leaving. I don't, I'm really sad that you're leaving, but this doesn't change our relationship at all. So yes, I didn't have her as an employee. We dealt with the employee things as an employee, but when she was gone, I said, I still love you. You're still my niece. We still get along great. It's as if it never happened, you know, that she never quit. Uh, because I separate that. I don't look at her. I, her being an employee is separate from her being my relative. And I think that you have to have a little bit of that to be able to have people relatives working for you yeah I, I, I absolutely like i i think about you know if i were working with my members of my family like how i would set up those boundaries what mm-hmm. how, how do you do that what kind of advice do you have for people who are thinking about working with family members well i think 
setting them up like any other employee. I mean, in, in terms of taking them on the training, doing all the paperwork, if you're having employees, then they're also an employee. Um, you can't completely separate the fact out that they're family, but you can have the same policies and the way you deal with problems as you do with your other stuff. I think it's just keeping it consistent. Um, I've learned so much about delegating over the years. Um, I have philosophies on it that I didn't quite understand in the beginning. For example, um, if and I know I'm kind of scattered. I don't mean to be going all over the place, but it just it's sort of leading me into these thoughts. Um, when I have uh, an employee call and they've made a mistake, um, say they've locked themselves out of a house, and I don't want to hear that. I might be out running on the trail somewhere, and oh, now I got to deal with something. Okay, <laughs> or I might be doing my own visits. Um, I I think the first inclination is to get upset. Oh no, darn! Why did you do that? The first thing that comes to mind is like, I have to deal with this. But I've learned to skip that step because that accomplishes absolutely nothing. Mm. The getting the mad, getting mad part, it doesn't do any good. So like, that's my first reaction. Second reaction is, okay, now what are we going to do about it? So I've just gone on to, okay, what are we going to do about it? Because I take the emotion out of it because I've, I figured this out because I'm, I'm Italian and Portuguese. I've kind of have a, yes, my husband, I could be a little volatile at times. <laughs> Okay. Uh, better, very Mediterranean personality. And um, so it's easy for me to go, oh no. But um, I've, I've actually learned to take a deep breath and say, let's fix this. We go right to the fixing part. And there always is a solution. And a lot of times my employees are impressed that I know the answer to something right away. And I said, that's because I've done this 16 million times. Another thing about the employees, why I don't get mad. And I'll tell you why I don't get mad at employees because every time they make a mistake, I've probably done it worse. (laughs) I have, I've made every mistake in the book. So if my employee does something, I, it's really hard for me to get upset when I've done it too. Yeah. And I think it's that human side of it. So those are my philosophies. And I think we, we get to the problem solving right away. We don't waste a lot of time with getting upset because stuff is going to happen. If you can have staff, it's going to (laughs) happen. Well, yeah, absolutely. I, I I love hearing that because it reminds me of whenever I'm working with my kids, or we don't, ha- we don't mm-hmm. currently don't have staff, but it reminds me a lot when mm-hmm. I'm working with my kids and they mm-hmm. spill milk. My first reaction is to, why did you ah! spill? Oh, scream and gnashing of teeth and you know all that stuff. But to just go, yeah, that happens sometimes. Where's the where's the rag? Let's let's get get the towel. Let's in and just to jump right to that. It cuts off so much headache, so much pain, and then later you have time to decompress and talk about some right. more specifics and deal with it then. But in the moment, I. To not go with that first knee-jerk reaction and to just go, let's solve it. And then being honest with yourself and going, yeah, you, you think that was bad. Let me tell you oh, yeah. <laughs> this other time. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, really, they've, they make mistakes, but so have I. And there is only one thing that will get me really upset is if it's an honesty issue. Hmm. I've had a couple situations uh, over all of this time of having employees where there was an honesty issue that I don't have, I don't get mad, but I don't have a lot of patience for. That's not something we can work through. I'm pretty much done with you. Uh, one example is I, I had a sitter who um, 
had told me that the particular dog walking client was no longer going to be able to use this because the dog was getting too old and didn't want to walk anymore. And I had the client call me and tell me the same thing. Well, I'm going to stop using the service because you know the dog is too old, doesn't want to walk anymore. Then I saw the sitter out walking the dog. And I thought, okay, so they went behind my back. It wasn't that she wanted to take uh, approach my sitter. It's that they had both lied to me about it. If she had said, look, hey, you know what? She can't afford us anymore. I Can I start walking this dog on the side? Believe it or not, I probably would have said yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not huge on non-competes. I, um, I allow my sitters to do overnights for our clients that are separate from the business because we don't offer them. I'm probably one of the easiest bosses to work with. But if, if, if you're not honest with me, then I have a, a hard time with that. Boy, and that's yeah. the only reason I've ever fired anybody. I don't fire people for making mistakes. I probably should have a couple of times. But uh, it's a, if it's an honesty issue, that that is a deal breaker for me. Yeah. I mean, it really, it, it really, because that's just, that's such a personal decision made on that person's part mm-hmm. to go and deceive somebody else, whether you or a client, that all of a sudden that trust that you need to have in that person because they're out there representing you, they're taking care of people, they're in people's homes, like that trust vanishes. And when, when those things happen. And it was really hard because um, I immediately had to take over. She was a great dog walker and she'd been with me for seven years. When we confronted her, she understood completely. And she said, yes, I know I was wrong. I had to take over all of her walks and it was a pain. It was really hard. But I said to myself, yes, this is difficult right now. But if I don't do this, then I'm not holding true to my standards. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I may be very flexible about a lot of things, but I have that standard. So it was tough, but we got through it. Are you a member of Pet Sitters International? PSI is the largest educational association for professional pet sitters and dog walkers with a mission to promote pet sitting excellence through education. After the tumultuous past year, having the support of a strong community and direct access to educational resources and business tools is more important than ever before as you rebuild your business in 2021. PSI is here to help with a free monthly member toolkit, monthly bonus resources, online trainings, private member group, and more. Combined with group rates on insurance and background checks, PSI is our one-stop shop for everything we need for our pet sitting and dog walking businesses. As an educational association, PSI believes that if you know better, you'll do better and invites you to join thousands of other like-minded professionals who are committed to offering the best possible pet care services and elevating our industry. If that sounds like you, visit PetSit.com to learn more. Our listeners can save $15 off your first year membership by using the promo code PSC15 at checkout. Now, I know you said your your son and his his wife are still involved in the company. Is this is this something you plan on on bringing them into more control or and passing that on, on to the you family know, over time or I I don't know. Uh, actually my son who did work for me for quite a while and his um, wife as well they they actually moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So now Brooke my daughter-in-law has done some administrative work for me from Wisconsin. Um, and in fact, she's actually working for a pet sitter friend of mine in Milwaukee. I kind of got them together. So I'm thrilled that Brooke is still working as a pet sitter. My um, son is now working for the VA in Milwaukee, and I'm, cool. I think he's called to be in uh, public service. So I'm not sure, but I like to think that somewhere along the line, 
it could happen. I don't know. I think my children are all discovering their lives right now. My daughter in Washington um, is a paralegal and may want to go to law school. Um, so I'm not sure that it's in the cards, but if they want it to, I definitely will. Uh, I'll not I'll close the door on it. Let's put it that way. I, I don't know when I'm ever going to retire because I figured you could look at me and say I'm somewhere retired right now because I, I do visits maybe a couple of days a week. Um, and I manage remotely from here in lovely Pollock Pines, California, yeah. most of the time. Um, but I think at some point I'll have a manager run it. I just don't see any reason to ever not have my business. I don't plan to sell it. I realize one day I'm never, I, I'm never going to sell this business. <laughs> um, it is, I like to call it my fifth child. Um, <laughs> Well, sometimes my husband's my fifth child. Maybe it's the sixth one. But um, <laughs> we'll, um, we'll cut that out. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, I think I'll always have it, so the door will always be open if they want to. Mm. No, I love that. That's that's a neat idea, and, and yeah, I'm sure trying to to look ahead and and see what the business looks like as as you move into you know. 30 years of an operation, I'm sure the business looks way different now than you oh, yeah. even dreamed of back in the 90s. <laughs> yes, it does. I was thinking about how the business has changed over the last 30 years. When I started, we didn't even have cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, I know there's people listening thinking, oh my God, is she going to go into the nursing home? I mean, and no, I promise I'm not going to tell any stories about how my first pet sending jobs, I walked five miles uphill both ways in the snow. It's not like that. <laughs> but in, when I started, I had a friend who, who she had a baby the same year I had Trevor and I was over at her house and her husband kind of had a high powered job and he had a car phone. It was like hooked into the car. So I was like, wow. But, um, so we got our first cell phone. That was a life changing in um, early 1993. Uh, but I didn't have any staff. The main reason my husband would call me on it was to. Uh, okay, so my second son, I I nursed all my children. He wouldn't take a bottle for the first six months of his life. I was tied down to that child every three hours for six months. <laughs> it was really tough. So my husband would put him on the phone when he was screaming and say, come home after you finish this stop because this kid is driving me crazy. He needs to eat. So that was kind of, I, I always think about that when my first cell phone, that's what we used it for. But um, obviously they became more popular. Everyone had one. They they're they were made for pet sitters. So um, I don't know what we do without them now. Um, but um, at the time, that was the only technological advancement. We obviously started out with a paper calendar. Um, it was really exciting when I could find the um, week at a glance where they had full Saturday and Sundays because I was really busy on Saturday and Sunday. And all the calendars had little tiny weekends like people didn't work on the weekends or something. <laughs> Crazy people. Uh, right now. So I still have all my original calendars back to um, 1990. And I sometimes I nostalgically go back and look and see where oh, I was. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, but in uh, 2001, my sister who's really smart um, and really good on computers um, 
decided that I should have a database online. And uh, well, it actually, I shouldn't even say online. Um, it wasn't web-based at the time. But she decided that I should run my uh, business on using a database. And I was uh, kind of resistant. Mm. I don't always like change. I was scared. I thought, oh, that just, I, I, that seems like too much work to load all that client information in there. And uh, she's like, no, you really need to do this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we did, and it was the best thing we ever did, you know. Yeah. So um, we have been using that system um, for all of these years with a couple of big updates. Um, what's really fun about her creating this custom database for me was um, that I could tell her what I needed. And she also knew uh, my sister I had roped into helping me a couple of times, too. I mean, this talk about a family affair. Everybody, if you haven't done a pet sitting job in my family, I don't know if you're really related to me, but um, <laughs> she she knew the ins and outs of the business. She knew exactly what type of information and how it needed to be organized. And she mm. spent like six months working on it almost full time. And, uh, and she got it going for us. Um, the exciting thing is that she created an app for us for our phones last year. Cause we were, com- we would run it off the database and I would, uh, email schedules to people. Um, and I would email them instructions, but they didn't have a central place that they could tap into the database. And now we have an app on their phone. That's how they get their schedules. And, oh, I resisted that, too. I said, I don't know. If you haven't figured out, I don't always, like, change a whole lot. But she's like, no, no, you're going to love it. It's going to be great. I think you should have an app. And I'm like, okay, if you want to spend 10,000 hours building an app for me, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and she's, I, I owe her cat care for the rest of my life <laughs> because of all the things she's done. Um, but uh, that has been really, really a massive change for us too. Yeah. We, feel like, we feel like we're keeping up with everybody else. We're a little bit different. Um, we're not complete. Our clients don't have interaction with our database. That is different. Um, I still like to input the data myself. I'm sure someday she'll convince me to change that too but right now that isn't <laughs> I'll talk in the to you in another yet. year and you'll yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, something else that's changed over the past 30 years you know there's been a lot of economic changes a lot of ups and a lot of downs and, and you've mm-hmm. you've weathered them so what w- talk to us about that tell us about how how you managed to do that You know, uh, we've been through some really trying times. I think the first major thing that happened to us was September 11th, 2001. Uh, My husband had just quit his job six months before. Because when we had child number four, I said, "I, I can't juggle this anymore. And he said, okay, I'll quit my job. And I said, okay, when we have a whole lot of savings in the bank, you should quit your job. And two weeks later, he quit his job. We did not have a lot of savings in the bank. (laughs) (laughs) He can be impulsive sometimes. So when September 11th happened, it was pretty devastating because we uh, were on the verge of a great month and all of a sudden it fell apart. Um, One of the major differences between that and what happened this year was that it was major that mostly that flights were canceled. So we still had some people traveling. They just weren't, flights were grounded for, I can't remember, 10 days or two weeks or something like that. But the way we weathered through it is that we had been building a very strong client base up to that point. And we were very, very busy. And 
the way to weather through it, well, there's two concepts. One is to have a lot of money and savings. Um, I can't say that we had a lot, uh, but it was proof that we needed to have a plan because you never know what's going to happen. Um, but also having a large enough client base. I really feel that maybe um, that's another, per, uh, you know, that's another idea surrounded by hiring. If you have a large enough client base that you need help when things kind of fall apart, it may be unfortunate if you have to lay off a worker, but chances are there will be enough. There's a, a higher likelihood that there will be enough work left over for you in the event of some kind of natural disaster. So I think building a strong client base, maybe even a little bit more than you want to have, is really beneficial if things fall apart. You know? um, later on, we had um, 2008, the economy was pretty bad. We, we, we had had a great couple of years and we, we took the kids on a 12-day Mediterranean cruise in Europe. Well, um, for our 25th wedding anniversary and um, everything was going great. We came home and it was just the bottom dropped out all of a sudden. I think it was like, uh, we're like looking at the months ahead. I'm like, this doesn't look so good. Um, so again, we just kind of weathered through that because we had had a, a strong client base at the time. Um, this last year has been really crazy because um, what happened in March was so different. It wasn't like you couldn't fly anywhere. It wasn't that people didn't have any money. It was that nobody was going anywhere at all. It had nothing to do with your economic status. It had nothing to do with where you were going. It was just flat out. Uh, it it uh, affected 100% of the population. So mm -hmm. that was tough. That was really tough. And um, we're fortunate that we um, did have a little bit of backup uh, there and also could take advantage of some of the programs that were offered. Um, it's just been um, nothing anybody could have predicted this year, I think. You mentioned about the change in technology um, over the course of the industry. What, what else has changed along the way, whether client expectations or um, just industry standards or, or anything like that? Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I think with the change in technology, expectations from clients are certainly they've changed as well. I think they're higher indefinitely as far as the amount of communication that's expected. And I tell you, as you may have learned from talking to me, I'm kind of slow to make changes. So um, we still have clients that we are carrying for who have been on our books for 25 years. I even have I do have a client from the first year uh, wow. still wow. Uh, different bird, but uh, different pets, but, uh, <laughs> and for those clients, they're, they're really used to the way we've always done things. Um, we used to have a no news is good news policy because let's face it back in the nineties, if someone was gone, they left you the number of the hotel. They may or may not have had a cell phone. So you only tried to reach them if it was a real emergency. You're not going to call the hotel, say, I need to speak to someone in, you know, this client. And just to tell them everything is fine. Uh, that's so we have a lot of clients that still operate on the no news is good news things, which is dramatically different from our newer clients. And I've been slower to adapt. Um, um, I have to remember that. Oh, yes, people like pictures. They like updates because our new clients ask for it and they get it. But our other clients, it would probably think it's strange if I contacted them every day. I know it sounds crazy to sitters who are used to all of the communication now. Yeah. But I operated for so many years where that just, it wasn't a possibility. 
Um, so now we do a lot more of that, but we've been slow to adapt because uh, you, we're creatures of habits. We've been doing this for so long. Uh, we actually do love the the pictures, the sending the cute pictures and all of that. Um, but it's very different, a very different level of communication now. And I think there's an expectation of um, immediate response. And that's tricky for all of us, I think. Um, I'm certainly try very hard. Customer service is really important to me. Um, and I like, I want my clients to have a complete experience from the beginning to end if they're traveling. So, um, it's a lot of work, but I do try to be very, very responsive to them. You know, I like that connection of in the nineties. Yeah. Like, like it's hard to even imagine that world anymore of, You'd have to call and get connected with somebody, and you know they'd be on vacation, and you all. I love that just to say everyone's still alive. We had a right. good the, day, right? The pet center is the one you didn't want to hear from. Right. Yeah, that's what my friend and I always say. That if if the pet center was calling, oh my god, is my house burning down? Is my dog alive? You did not want to hear from the pet center. So it's. Um, um, it, it's been a, a long road making those changes. And again, like I said, we still have a lot of clients who are used to the old way and they're perfectly happy with it. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, so we're not rocking the boat. <laughs> it's, a, it's a reminder that your ways of operating and expectations for that, you know, they're not going to be the same for each client and that's okay. And right. to not try and force things on them if they don't want that uh, and, and to, to meet their needs as you said, have, meet, have that, the huge importance of that customer service and to make sure that that's individualized for each person so that they're getting their needs met the way they want them met. Right, right, exactly. But thinking about um, the past 30 years in the industry, was wondering if you had a, a, a crystal ball hidden somewhere um, <laughs> that you could break out and, and think, <laughs> and tell, and, or, or at least where you hope, uh, maybe thinking about the future of the industry, given everything that's been going on and some of the big changes recently? Well, I like to think of it in a very positive light. I I know that the pet sitting industry has a lot of challenges now. We have app companies that are competing and bringing a different type of service. Um, We have to look at that and decide whether we want to be like them or we want to be different from them. And if so, how are we going to make ourselves different? We have a lot of challenges with that, but I do believe that in the end, people are looking for um, a solid company with a history, with dedication to the best practices. I think the more we can do to set ourselves apart can only be good. I, I think in, I'm very positive about the industry as a whole, just because I um, I'm not sure where that's coming from. Just know that I absolutely love my clients. This has been a tough year, but we've had so many clients that have checked in and just said, are you okay? Are you still around? We, we hope you're, you've made it through this. And we have so many great connections with uh, the community in that way that I think that that personal level of care is not forgotten, that it's very appreciated. And um, I think the pet sitting industry is definitely here to stay. Um, you know, we may have to make some changes here or there, but uh, I think we're on solid ground. Yeah, no, that's good to 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 remind to remind ourselves of that personal connection that 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 you are part of a community that you do interact with people and people people matter, right? And people are gonna 
have that connection. And then that really, at the end of the day, is what, what makes it go round. Well, you know, and, I'm, and I've listened to you say this several times on your podcast, and this is something I so strongly believe in, that it is, uh, we all love the, the animals. Yeah. But it is the client that signs the check or gives us the credit card. So um, this is not necessarily a great career for people that claim they don't like people and they just want to be with the animals all the time because they, it's very much a people people business. Um, obviously, you have to love the animals. I'm, I'm passionate about um, the animals we take care of, but... In the end, the people are the gateway to them. So <laughs> have to take care of them. Yeah, yep. yep. The moment the moment Fido figures out how to dial a phone, we're in trouble, maybe. Right. But until then, right? Until right. Then. <laughs> I, Kim, I, I can't tell you how much I have enjoyed you sharing your marathon and how you have helped us to run better marathons in our businesses <laughs> and for the future. Um, I have. A lot of work to do. I'm, uh, <laughs> and uh, I appreciate your optimism and everything that you've shared with us today. It's been a real, real pleasure. I can't thank you enough. Well, this has really been fun for me. <laughs> yeah. And um, if people want to reach out and get in touch, pick your brain on some more things, how can they do that? Oh, absolutely. And I'm uh, one of my favorite little hobbies is anybody who, who wants to talk about hiring or employees. I love helping people with that. Um, so I'm on Facebook, Kim O'Tony tank. Um, I can be reached on messenger. Um, my, um, website for my business is apronstringsonline.com. My email address is reservations with an S at apronstringsonline.com. Again, Kim, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. What marathon are you running in your business? Or we could ask, what does your marathon look like? Everyone's marathon in their business should be inherently different than somebody else. That's because our starting points are all unique. Kim mentioned her why of wanting to spend more time with her family. She was dedicated to finding something and making something work so that she wouldn't have to give that up. So spend some time thinking about your why. What is it about being a pet sitter that you love that is going to drive you through both good times and bads, through the ups and through downs of the economy and the world around us so that we can weather the storm and run the race of business and in life? We would love to hear what your why is, what drives you, what fuels your passion in this business. You can send us an email at feedback at petsitterconfessional.com or you can also get connected with us on Facebook or Instagram at Pet Sitter Confessional. We want to thank our sponsors, Time to Pet and Pet Sitters International for making this week possible. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back again soon. 